0: Welcome to the Human Era Podcast, a show where we discuss the future of humans in a world that is dominated by technology. What does tomorrow look like and how can we stay true to what we really are, humans? Welcome at a new episode of the Human Era Podcast. My name is Ferry and today I am joined by Jaren. Jaren, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks. It's a pleasure having you here today. Uh, could you do us a favor and quickly introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, my name is uh, Jaren. I'm 35, uh, was born in the US, but lived the, the major part of my life in the Netherlands. Uh, and I'm a sales manager in logistics.
0: Okay. It's, it's good to have you. It's good to have someone who knows uh, is uh, sales. Um, just to give the, the audience a quick background. I think we met a couple of months ago uh in a discord that we are in uh, the band of insiders um i think one of the first discussions that we had was on technology and nfts right Um, Right. i kind of still remember myself being a little skeptical about nfts um and where the whole playground was going um and i think it was either you or one of the other guys who explained what nfts are where the technology is going um I just want to touch upon that subject real quick because it's there's a lot of hype around nfts there's a lot of hype around basically everything technology right now um what are your thoughts on the nft field right now because we know that there was a huge hype uh, just a month ago where do you see it going now
1: yeah just to make it clear i think i was as skeptical as you uh in the beginning um but as i learned more uh, i learned that and i saw that the technology behind an NFT uh, within the blockchain can be extremely valuable. And not only, um, as you see now, a lot of projects, what they call uh, picture-for-profile projects, which are just, you know, it's just a JPEG that you save to your computer and you use it as a profile picture, which isn't interesting to me. And and please bear in mind, I'm nowhere near an NFT expert, and not a crypto expert. Uh, within our discord we have uh, a lot more knowledgeable people that that know stuff about it but for me what's interesting about it is when i look at an nft project is that there's some utility behind it that it's not just a profile picture or not just a hype Um, and that is something that i'm focusing on um, and and there's a lot of projects that that have that utility and that is what, in, what is interesting to me because um, that is the future. If you, if you look forward to the next year or two, uh, you heard Gary Vee say it, uh, 90, 95, 98% of all NFT projects will die. Um, and you need to make sure that either you do it short term now or find uh, an NFT project with a lot of utility behind it so that you know it has merit in the future.
0: Do you? Do you think... <clears throat> just like the the Bitcoin was, do you think like the the NFTs that we had now was just opening the gates for this new kind of technology?
1: I think it is. I think it is. Um, I, what you said, Bitcoin, Ethereum, the uh, Layer One coins, uh, and I think you will you will end up with a couple, uh, maybe dozens of, of of NFTs that have utility behind it that will uh, will continue to exist but then comes the hard part what is that project and that is i think the same like you have it now that's extremely difficult to see it's it's just uh it's just shooting with uh, with uh with buckshot and and hoping that you get something good
0: right but don't you think like because that that's one of the discussions we had and and that's why i want to dive into this right away because i think this is such an interesting part um you said there's like the, the JPEG thing going on, right? Everyone has a profile picture. Some of them cost like uh, two cars. Um, but the 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 main story is it's gonna be something that we can utilize. Um, so one of the examples I think Gary V said is with, uh, is it like Fly, Fly Fish Club? Um, yeah. Where if you're the owner of the NFT, then you can access a specific restaurant um, or you can go to a venue with your NFT or you can be part of a discussion club with your NFT. Um, but why is that different than what we've been doing for the last hundred years with like pl- uh, regular tickets or uh, just an online registration? What would be different?
1: You know, in, in essence, they're, they're, it is the same. Yeah, you're, you're um, giving something out and people get something in return. It's it's as easy as that. But I think especially if you start looking at, I know in our Discord, there's a, um, there's a project uh, that was mentioned and the goal of that project is to raise funds through an nft um, and use those funds to um, increase and uh, increase the bee population on this planet which is extremely important of course and and those are the utilities that are a little different than having a ticket to a concert or uh, being part uh or, or uh, giving some some uh, revenue to a, to an artist um another project which I'm I'm involved in now with an NFT is a is a beverage brand in the US. Um they are starting to go into stores and they made an NFT. So by buying that NFT, you're essentially um your stockholder, your uh, you get a say in, in the vision of the company. And that is something completely different than just having a ticket to a concert.
0: Is that also a decentralized organization? Um
1: well in essence it's, it's still a it's still a business huh it's it's still uh, you have the, you have your uh, ceo you have your your owner your your stockholder so no it's not decentralized in that we um we have with, with the community have a, a 100% say in what the business does but I, I think it's a 50-50 you know it's it's a start into something new i think a fully decentralized um company is extremely difficult um because you you need people in the right places to make the right decisions for a company to work uh, that's in 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 all in all business you need the right people in the right places to make it make su- make it succeed yeah i don't so think i think that's, that's, that's going to change right no i don't think so i don't think so I don't, or you need to look at something but that's that's very far in the future you need to be able to see um with nfts or with somebody's uh, crypto wallet what is his what is his uh, background or what is his knowledge base and what can he bring to a company so that you have your linkedin your cv uh, nft base so that people know okay that guy knows what he's talking about in a certain topic otherwise you will still need um you will still need a board of directors that that n- no business
0: Yeah, but I think ultimately an an organization starts with one or or a couple of people, their ideas. Um, I think they should also be the ones executing. Uh, But what you touch upon is really interesting because I think that it does make it easier for, say, the community, uh, which could be customers or suppliers or investors, to be involved in the final decision making. Um, but I, it would be very scary if, if if I were to picture my company run by a thousand strangers. Um, I don't know where the company would be heading. Uh, exactly. But I think if you're talking about maybe community money when you use it for uh, um, uh, good causes or, or specific purposes, maybe then it would make more sense if the community can decide where the funds are going uh, yeah. rather than for a commercial company.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And I think that you can, you can utilize it in different ways. Uh, Like what they're doing now is very, very basic. Uh, You have an NFT. Uh, If you have uh, more NFTs, you get a higher uh, piece of the revenue. If you, um, if you bring them business. So, uh, and do you have, I think if you have five NFTs, then you, every month, you will get a a 12 pack of of the soda sent to your home. You know, that's small steps towards uh, a utility that benefits the holders yeah um, but it's very difficult you know what my interests and my uh, the things i i'm looking for in an nft uh, in my return are different than perhaps you so it's i think it's going to be difficult to find the, a utility that, that triggers your entire community uh, and that is that is a challenge
0: it, it is. I'm actually looking at the, the other side, I'm, I'm seeing if I can incorporate it into my um, organization, the one that I'm building, um, just to see if we can involve the community more um, in the decision making or in uh, benefiting from what we're doing. Uh, Because what I think is like the the general model that we have is if you want to give your customers a little extra, then you give them a discount or Mm -hmm. you give them, I don't know, uh, you send them a present. Uh, But it would be so interesting to have like loyal customers giving them something in return, um, maybe in the form of a return or sharing your profit or having them decide one of the new projects that we're going to do. I think that in terms of um, uh, utility would be very interesting because then you're building the community, but then you're also giving people a reason to own your NFT and hold it, uh, which which might increase the value. And maybe you can send some of those returns back to your clients. I think there's a, a pretty interesting uh, thing happening Um because it, it feels like we're moving away from like the old investor relationships that we used to have. Um, like back in 2014, uh, we, we uh, saw that, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, when when like a lot of people invest at once. Um, yeah, yeah. What, what was the term for that? Um, oh, you got me now. Yeah. <laughs> it was the Kickstarters and the, you know, those kind yeah, of platforms. Yeah, yeah so, so people send like a couple hundred dollars. Um, I think like 95% went bankrupt. Uh, so people never got a return, uh, other companies never delivered on their products. So it was very risky, um, but also it, it's like a very old fashioned way. You send some money and then you're hoping and praying that you see something in return. I think with NFTs, you can utilize it right away because uh, you can give them a benefit from day one, which is super interesting to me.
1: Yeah, you can, you can find out uh, pretty easily if you build a community that has NFTs and that's what we're trying to do with band of insiders as well. You have a lot of people in one place. Now you need to find out what do those people know, what are their backgrounds, what interests do they have and, and what knowledge can they bring to the table? And I think if you can do that with, with your NFT holders and and create some, uh, a pool of knowledge that you can use, but also give in return, I I think that's, uh, that's something I would be looking for.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think if I look at it as another tool, another solution to a potential problem, Um, the problem that we have is that we work in diversity, uh, but we want our team to be as diverse as possible, but we cannot hire a thousand people with different backgrounds. We just don't have the funds for that, Uh, but we could give out a thousand nfts to people with diverse backgrounds and ask them for their opinion or maybe get them in like a shareholder meeting um, so we can utilize we don't have to have a thousand people of staff and we can still get a thousand ideas which is super interesting yeah
1: and you can and you can uh, bring some some difference in that as well uh, you can have tiers of of what nfts people have right? just people that give their opinion people that really have a say uh there's there's of possibilities are endless. And yeah. That must be exciting for you as a business owner, business owner to develop your company in in, in Web 3.0 that way.
0: It, it is, it is super interesting because we're also so early right now. Um, and th- the reason that I feel that we're early is because when I explain this to people, they do not understand yet. Um, Even the people that are into tech, they don't know what this is, which means that we are super early, which also means that we can reap like the, the most benefits that there are right now. Um, I think one problem is if you need people's help uh, who don't understand Web3 or NFTs, then it's difficult. But it's a good sign that they don't know it yet. Um, but yeah, yeah, we can utilize it for sure.
1: Yeah, and, and that's what you said. You, you, hit, you hit it on the head. It was, we're so early in the NFT world. I, I don't know if it's still true, but I heard something that there is less than 500,000 people that are into NFTs at the moment. Uh, on on the scale of, of of our world and 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 the mass, it's it's you're extremely early, um, but that makes it the daunting task as well to to do it right, um, yeah, but, because but you can only do time. it once.
0: Yeah, it, it gives us a time. little bit of time to do some research and to really understand how it can help you and and be a tool and to use it for good. I think that's one of the the most important things.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not always you know. Of course, monetary gains are. Yeah, we're human and we need to pay our bills and you need to think about your pension, but there needs to be more behind it. Or at least have a good split between uh, between what's good for the world and what's good for you. Um, and I think that's important, even if you look at the at the, at the stocks, um, look at your stock portfolio. For instance, for myself, um, I sold Shell because I think, you know, that's I, I couldn't justify it to myself. keep it so i sold it you know and and those things um i try to think about and i think my wife uh, triggered that in me because she's she's really um when she buys clothes she looks at how how sustainable is a company and no child labor Uh, it will cost you more but you know it's uh that's karma (laughs) let's call it like that it's (laughs) just good for the world um so I'm, i'm doing that more and more also with with the things i'm investing in but uh, yeah, it's 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 a daunting task for me as well um, to to jump into this world and, and say goodbye to the to the old the old ways of of normal uh, stocks. Uh, so yeah, that's that's difficult. And then- we're at
0: that age as well right I think you, you said in the beginning you're 35 uh, I I'm, I think I'm 34 um, so we're, we're basically the same age um I think we also come from that era where we kind of like grew up when the internet started um, so we 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 still know what it is to be offline but we also know what is what it's like to be online I think for us for our generation it's it's not easy, but I think it's crucial that we start understanding how this works. Not like we're we're almost 35. Um, we know Web 2. Let's stick to that. Let's stick to what we know. I think we we still need to like move to Web 3 as quickly as we can because now we're still young. We're still fresh. Um, especially everyone listening who's younger than we are. You know, this is the time to to do that. Do it. Yeah, go yeah. go for it.
1: Yeah, don't wait. And it's important to know. And that's that's such a piece of advice that that may be like yeah of course you need to do that but just use money you're uh, willing to lose because that is how it is you know Uh, don't use money you borrow (laughs) Uh, don't use money that you need to pay your mortgage or your rent Uh, but even if you start with 10 euros 50 euros it doesn't matter if you start you're in it and and then you can develop and I think that's important especially if you're young Um, if we knew this five, six years ago, what we know now, we we would have gone all in. Yeah. It's as easy as that.
0: Of course. But that, that goes for everything. I mean, if, if I knew everything 15 years ago, I would have bought stock in Facebook. So, you know. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> but the, the thing is, like, yeah, d- just try it. Um, I, I mean, I, I think it was, like, November... 2020 when i bought into the metaverse one of the metaverses um no idea what was going on i i just i knew how to purchase like a piece of it um turned out they were uh, thinking of turning things of um, uh, that nature like the things you were buying those were tiles of land turning in uh, turning them into nfts um but also people keep screaming like it's a scam nothing is happening um you know it's going slow but the thing mm-hmm. is that of course it's going slow it's so brand new that even the developers need to learn how everything works because they're literally building like the first mm-hmm. things on they are building web3 so of course it's not going to be finished in in a year so patience is so important
1: Yeah it's it's a it's a long term uh, project especially the metaverse I think it will it will go quick eventually but you can see now there is a lot of companies trying to do it. Uh, Figure what you said, figuring out how to do it and do it good. Um, and and people will fail, but but you just need to jump in. Uh, no risk, no glory. Um, and if you want to start with NFTs, with crypto, with Web 3.0 in general, uh, I I think I have this discussion multiple times a week. Uh, <laughs> either uh, I had it. Uh, I, I went away w- for a weekend to Spain with my dad, and. My dad is 75, uh, and he's he's still working, and he, he's been an investment banker for his entire life. Um, and I told him about NFTs. Uh, he's already into crypto uh, since uh, I think two and a half years because of me. Um, so that's that's a step, you know, for a 75 year old man. And now I told him about NFTs, and he just couldn't grasp the the idea behind it. And I said, just look it up, you know, just go on Google youtube what is an nft and just start at the beginning and and try to uh, get some knowledge absorbed and then it's not that daunting anymore it, once you you're in it you can learn and learn and learn because we i don't know anything uh, or at all everything about nfts or crypto or but i'm doing my best and i'm trying to not talk about not speak bullshit, <laughs> and and try to stay with facts but you know, you never know. And th- th- do your own due diligence uh, with everything you do. Don't listen to just anyone, um, but do your own due diligence. That's a few things I would say.
0: Yeah, it's good advice. I mean, it's, it's, it's true. It, it has been true for, for ages. Um, if you were in the 1930s and you wanted to get into the stock market, you still had to do some research to understand who's there, what's going on, how does it work. Um, but it, it is if you understand it and you have some funds that you can invest that you are willing to, to potentially lose, um, yeah, go for it because even if you lose the money and even if it's like 10, 20, 30 euros or dollars, um you still learn so much just by doing it by applying yourself into it because um, reading about it and i think that's one of the the most difficult things if you especially if you talk about nfts and that's also where my skepticism came from in the beginning um there is so much bullshit and there is so many people um pretending like they are the experts uh, but who do you believe because there's no um a bill gates or mark zuckerberg who says i've been doing this for 30 years i know everything about it everyone's been doing this for a couple of months maybe two three years at most um, but how do you know who is the expert and who uh, what's the truth uh, that's you, you don't
1: you don't and that's exactly what you said there there is no warren buffett that, uh, that that gives you the knowledge and that you know okay that guy did it for the past 50 years he must know what he's doing you don't have that um yeah no there's no good answer that's why you need to consume as much knowledge as, as you can um, and, and if it's too good to be true, it's probably not true. It's yeah. as, e- as easy as that.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and the parameters of, of that saying are different in the stock market, uh, getting a 20% return year on year, that's, that's too good to be true yeah. in, in general. In crypto, it's not, you know, <laughs> uh, so the, the parameters are a bit different, but I think that's still uh, applicable to, to the situation
0: just yeah. uh, be smart just yeah and, smart. and look at what's happening like um, what helped me most is look at youtube uh, videos uh, read articles um, and just like like you would do with any study um, just find reliable sources and, and go from there and but just go and go and do it even if it's if it's small even if it's just a start like you said if it's only if, if we're talking about nFTs, if it's only five hundred thousand people in there, um, uh, you know we often talk about the one percent. It's not even a percent. Um it's exactly. so low. I mean, it doesn't even matter if you take 30, 40, 50 hours, you're still super early. Exactly. Uh, but just just go and do it. I think that would be the most important thing.
1: and you know if you, if you if you lose the money, see that as an investment in your in, in your in your knowledge. Uh, it's same as going to school. You need to pay money. you, you don't get anything monetary in return immediately. Let's see it as knowledge because th- that is what it is. You're gonna f- you're gonna fall down. yeah. And just get up, try again, do better. Yeah
0: but isn't that how we we all studied i mean if you go to school you need to buy books and that's that gives you the knowledge exactly if you if you're not buying books but you're buying like street knowledge uh, you you're, you're basically purchasing your knowledge if you if you buy uh, for a couple of dollars or euros if you just start that that's basically purchasing your education so even if you lose it you you still gain a whole lot of insights a whole lot of information
1: I bought a lot of school books, but I barely used them. <laughs> that's, true. <laughs> that's
0: true. See, that's loss of money, so you best invest it in something else.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and that's what you said. That's this the street knowledge, huh? And if if we transition into um in into my field, um an education is not uh of course it's needed have people look at it but it's not something that defines you uh, at how good you are or what you're capable of it's it's experience and that is completely different yep. yeah, yeah.
0: I'm, I'm i'm a big believer of that um i if, if if i if i'm to give you a little bit of background about like Please. how i i look at that is um when i was in school i did vocational uh mbo It's what it's called in in our uh, country um And I learned about marketing and sales and developing and and everything. I, I thought everything was interesting. But not interesting enough to like stick to it for four years i i just couldn't um i I started in developing um and i thought oh my god these guys around me they are they were like born developers uh when we had lunch break i went outside with two other guys to you know buy some some food or you know get some drinks they just stayed there programming stuff you know creating games etc and i was like okay i'm not on their level um but do i want this this bad? Or do I just want a bit of this knowledge? Um, so I, I spoke to my teacher and he said, well, I, I think this is not your your thing. If you're not gifted in this, you understand what's happening, but you're not gifted, right? You know, let's face it. Like, okay, fair enough. Um, so I decided to go into marketing and communication just to get a broad knowledge. Like we always said, if you don't know what you want to be, you go into marketing and then you figure it out, right? Um so that's what I did and I had the opportunity to go even further, to go to, to college. Um, but I said, well, I'm, I'm not gonna do that because I don't know what topic I wanna stick to yet. Um, I have no idea. So I think it's like at the age of 21, um, I took up a sales job uh, as an account manager, uh, like calling clients, having my own uh, personal clients, etc. super interesting. And then I started picking up like smaller um, courses so, of course, in social psychology, in coaching, in marketing, in sales, whatever. So I, I took like a bunch of topics, um, even fitness training and food and etc. cetera. So um, I just thought if I fill my entire backpack with knowledge, then I can build my own character, um, not stick to one topic because I know I'm not going to succeed because I get bored, I get distracted. Um, so I did that for a couple of years. I went to school basically every night. Um, I was like 23 still doing homework, uh, which was fine because I was working during the day and then you know upping my knowledge at night. Um, and then I think I was like 25, 26, I got hired into a big corporate and I was in a team with people who solely um, had their master's degree. Um, but I was at their table. I was doing the same type of work. And they said the fact that we hired you was we didn't only look at your resume, but we also looked at you studied every night, which means you're eager to learn. Um, you were able to pick up different topics, which means you're, you have a broad interest. Um, so just by building a character, I was able to step away from, you know, going through courses that I knew I wasn't going to stick to anyway. Uh, so I'm, I think one of the the world's biggest believers in um, like finding your own path and and seeking knowledge. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm 34 now. I still read every day because I believe that that's just going to give me some form of knowledge. I don't even know what I'm going to do with it, um, but it it's it's just going to give me knowledge. I think that's that's what we've been talking about all this time. Like find your own path. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. And my path is exactly the same. Uh, I did hotel management. Uh, I w- I was in boarding school for over 9 years in Belgium. Mm-hmm. And my my dad traveled traveling the world and um, my mom very busy, they're separated. So that was a, a big part of my life being being there. And exactly what you said, I went to hotel school and I was like, this is not for me. This is horrible. But you know what? Let's. It's it's very generic in in a sense. Uh, Customer service. You have sales. You have management. Yeah, you know it's okay. I I can work with that. Uh, I I never worked in in a hotel after my after my after I graduated. But I knew okay. I need to finish something. I need to have a piece of paper that at least uh, lets me in the door or gets the door open just a little bit. So I can do the rest with with my knowledge and with my personality, and that is something that I think is very important. Because I wasn't the guy that that would go and do a master's or, or a PhD, or that that's not me. I need to talk. I need to uh, talk to people. I need to show myself because I'm not a I'm I'm not a I'm not somebody who learns from books. I learn from doing and uh, i think that's uh, you're a big reader um i consume my knowledge purely on the internet on youtube uh the, i i need to see it i need to hear it i need to feel it and then i learn i learn very quickly i i learned how to code a website just by looking at youtube videos use photoshop for my uh, when i was younger i did youtube videos how to edit uh, thumbnails and, and edit videos and th- that's how i learned and i think that's important find your way and just stick with it and you know now exactly like you have now i'm in a job where uh they say you need a university degree and everyone around me has it except for me
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know it's because it's not needed i have my experience and i am able looks like looks like i'm able to convince people that i know what i'm doing and i think that is what what is key and i yeah. i think it's extremely important and i'm very glad that where I work now, that they, that they see that, that, that it's not just about a piece of paper, it's about the person, uh, that you're hiring. And I'm, I'm very glad that that's maybe that switch is going on more and more.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, uh, again, our generation, uh, we are the ones, uh, it it sounds so big, uh, but our generation are the ones who are now gaining control over companies. You know, uh, people who are now becoming CEOs are like in their 30s and 40s. Um, Our managers are 30 and 40, um, which means that they might have the same mindset, not that old school mindset of you need at least X degree in order to at least get a conversation with us. i had a a conversation with um, some people from the dutch government a couple of days ago Um, and it turns out that our entire country but also the whole of europe is going into a skills type of uh, job um, uh, profile basically so we're moving away from resumes and pictures and etc we're going into skills which means that the entire mindset of our economy is moving into um, problem solving rather than people profiling. Um, Cause like, you know how it goes. I, I've helped clients to, to um, uh, hire people for their marketing as a freelancer and I went th- through resumes and even I caught myself having um, a certain bias. I just wanted to p- people who spoke to me as a person Um, uh, And now I figured out that if we look at skills, then you look at problem solving. So not like I want him or her in my company, but this is the skill gap that I have. Um, These are the people who have those skills. Uh, Okay, which one suits the organization best in terms of when can you start? Um, Do you fit the team as a person rather than, you know, does your profile fit the organization? Um, So it does seem that the entire economy is moving more into looking at skills and, um, like what have you done and what are you willing to do to ac- accomplish your goals um, rather than oh do you have x diploma because it it also just means like maybe you were great at remembering and studying text and keeping that knowledge for 48 hours and then forgetting everything you've ever learned um, yeah. so th- that's an interesting movement now yeah
1: and i, th- and I think it's uh, and that's uh, something i'm i'm uh, that that tickles me in the wrong way is that companies often uh, over uh complicate their own business or they they think their business is more important or more difficult than it really is especially uh, you know in the world of sales mm. honestly it doesn't matter i've been in logistics i've been in uh, in the industrial sales i've been in healthcare uh, and it doesn't matter it's all sales and and i I've had, before I started working here, I had um, interviews with companies that had very specialized uh, industrial equipment. And they all said, but you don't have experience in this field. I said, I said, it doesn't matter. First of all, if I'm interested in a product or in a uh, in, in a sector, I'll learn, you know? Um, I, I I've worked at a company and they made a lot of um, returnable packaging, so a lot with plastics. I within within thir- uh, within six months I knew everything about uh, how what plastics could and couldn't do the the data sheets I knew it every I knew all of it because I'm I was interested in the product and it, it doesn't have to say that you don't have a university degree in in uh, biochemics uh, to 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 know that and I think that is something that is still happening and I, I hope that that changes because you're losing you're losing um so much knowledge by by thinking that you are uh, some so different than other companies or yeah. other sectors i think that's in sales it's all about sales knowledge how are you with people how can you um um find qualify and connect uh, buyers around the globe uh, it's there's so much more to it than just the product
0: it is Yeah, but I I think it it depends on the department. If if you are hired to um, improve the quality of the product, of course, you need to understand how the product is made. Um, And maybe then you do need a degree because you are going to work with certain materials. Um, But if you're going to sell an existing product or even give your opinion on how to improve the existing product, you can do that from sales because you understand the product, because like you said, you, you go into it, you learn everything about the product, you learn everything about the market and the clients. Um, why would you not be able to combine one and two together? I mean, um, yeah, but in, in sales, and I think that's an interesting topic because sales, I hate it and I love it. Um, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's necessary, especially as a founder of a company, you, you are the sales department. Um, so, so sales is something necessary, but um, it is changing so fast and there's so many tools right now, um, like I don't even know where to begin. Like how, how do you see that in your job in sales? Like what's what's happening right now?
1: You know, it it, it, it depends a lot on, on uh, the type of sales you do. Uh, so um, I, I myself, I'm more in strategic sales. So I'm responsible for a very limited uh, portfolio. Um, so it, it's a lot based on um, relationships. Uh, growing the relationships uh, and and making long lasting uh, partnerships with with your customers. There's a especially if you look at the what, what you call the inside sales, uh, the the cold calling. That that changed massively. Uh, you, there's so many tools on the market. It's all it's almost all it's almost data driven or it is data driven, and that is a, a big change. Um, 10 years ago 15 years ago uh, where you would go to the golf course uh, with people to you know to to find out what they're doing and how they're doing it and what what you can you can do for them and I think there's a there's a big shift in that market but I think also with covid there's a big shift in uh that f- especially from the customer side or at least I can see that that customers now realize that they don't need you there on site to be able to have a good conversation or uh, find a solution to a problem or build a relationship to some degree uh, i do believe that when when you have a new customer it's always better to have dinner with them as uh, s- uh, look them in the eye uh, you know see their body language which is difficult online but in the rest of the sales process i, I see now that it's so easy to just sit behind your computer. Uh, the efficiency has gone through the roof, in my opinion, um, and I think that's a good, a good thing we uh, we inherited from COVID. Is th- that realization, also the realization from your company, that that is allowed, working from home, uh, just much more flexible in what we do and how we do it. I think that's uh, that's the biggest change, and I hope that that is one to stay. Um, because it, it will not only save the company's money because we don't travel that much, um, but it, it will will also help in sa- save the save the world a bit more by not flying that much. Uh, because we, as if I look at myself, I did it a lot. Uh, I fly all across Europe and for what? Sometimes for a meeting, two hour meeting. I would fly to Poland. Mm-hmm. What, what's the reason for that? And I think that's it's good that there's uh, some. Change going on and that and now when you go and step into a plane, it's needed. There's a big issue or there's something to celebrate with your customer, which is good as well. Um, so I think that is a that is a massive change.
0: It it is yeah. I, th- I think people become more aware. Um... I think I've seen it that uh, if we have a meeting abroad, then we try and get a couple of meetings um, to make it the most efficient. Like we're not going to fly up and down six times and we're going to go once and we're going to meet every every one of them, uh, but we're going to stay three days. Um, but but what you said in the beginning was, was very interesting to me because um, I feel that sales is more and more data-driven. Um, do you feel that we're going the right way with being data-driven or are we drifting away from like the the human contact like you're doing like you're the you're building relationships you're one-on-one um are we drifting away from that are we being too much data driven
1: uh yeah if i look at it
0: from a personal perspective i
1: my strengths lie in the fact that i am extremely good at forging very long-lasting relationships and by creating that relationships i create business uh, I'm not the one that does cold calling and that uh, you know uh, calls a customer every day. Hey, how is this opportunity? Can we do this? No, I'm 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 completely different in that regard. So I hope that we can still keep some good balance between using the data, but also thinking about the human aspect because we're in a we're we will always be in a human era. As of now, (laughs) no pun intended. (laughs) I
0: like that one. (laughs) Yeah,
1: and and, you know, uh, the the customers, um, the buyers in this case are more informed than they have ever been. And that is something with the data. Uh, The customer has the data, you have the data. Uh, That makes it it a difficult process as a salesperson because they're more knowledgeable than they were before. Um, I think that's um, that's a big change and that's something we have to deal with because I don't think it's going to change.
0: Isn't there more brand building then now so that they have the information? Um, I think I, I don't have the statistics. I hate it when that happens, but I think it's like 75% of sales has been done on the initiative of the buyer because they already have all the information. They've read all the articles. Um, so isn't it the key to be found by them now rather than you calling them, et cetera?
1: Yeah, that, that is one thing, of course, you need to, what you said, build your brand in order for them to notice you. Um, because if big companies have billion dollar companies, they send out RFQs. If you're not one of the, say in logistics, if you're not one of the big four, chances are you won't get that RFQ. So people need to know what you're doing. Um, I think that's, um, yeah, that's, that's very important. Yeah.
0: But I think as a, as a person too, right, because speaking from my own experience, um, about 10 years ago, maybe even more when I was in sales, um, they started falling in love with CRM. So like um, gaining information about your customer, knowing everything. And we were assigned to um, a bucket of customers. I think we had like 20 each or something, uh, which was in IT. And. Um, and then we had to do cold calling, so we had like call lists, etc. I hated that. Um, horrible. But the thing is, that, yeah, I thought, horrible. Jeez. Um, but we, we had to do it, um, so we did it, and you, you you get better at it, but you know you still resent it. But the thing is that they um, had a CRM package where they started adding information brackets where we were, you know, to ask our clients about specific things, um, and it started with. Um, how large is your IT Park? How many laptops do you have? How many printers? Which makes a lot of sense because basically you're mapping your customer and you start understanding your your market um but then they went more personal they said well if you want to build a relationship you need to understand your client so um you need to fill out if they're married yes or no to whom uh, do they have children where were they born Where did they go to school which was yeah exactly like the, the faces you're making those were the faces that we were making like this is intriguing this is this is so invasive into someone's personal life we're building a business relationship um and of course i had some clients that i had a very good connection with and you're calling them and you're asking how they their weekend were and they were like oh i went to this and that i went to the zoo with my kids and so you know they have kids and then the next time you refer to their, their kids but that's because i was personally interested in exactly how their weekend was or how their kids are doing um i refuse to put that into a system um, especially it, uh, by force, they said, well, if you have your second contact with, so you get your cold call and you have your second contact, then you ask them those questions. So they were monitoring if, if you know, say, say this is our, our second time ever talking. And I was like, how oh, do you have kids? Where are you from? Where were you born? Yeah, what in, is your bank account a, number? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in a business setting, um, it was so inappropriate. Um, but the thing is that we were so focused on the data that we didn't make genuine connections anymore. And the, the funny thing is that we saw that after like half a year, no one was having regular clients anymore. Uh, because in the beginning there was like, oh, I, I need to call Ferry. And I was like, oh, he's sick. I'll, I'll, I'll call back whenever he's here, right? Um, and then it was like, oh, I really don't care because you're annoying anyway. Just send me this laptop. I don't wanna to talk to anyone because you're asking me all these questions about my kids and my marriage. Um, so we, we basically pushed them away from us, um, which made the organization interchangeable because now it doesn't matter if you have a cool account manager because he's annoying anyway. So it's just pricing and product. So no more relationship. So by focusing on the data, they actually pushed away the clients Mm -hmm. uh, and stopped gathering data because no one was was giving them any data anymore. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And and I I must say that, um, if you follow the natural process of building a relationship and not like, I I, I know why they want to know it because it's information that is useful or it's good to show people that you're interested let's keep it like that but you need to be really interested yeah i know all of my clients all of the major stakeholders that i speak with on a on a daily or weekly basis i know that they're married i know they have kids i know where they live i know what they like but that's because i've spent the last 4 years talking to them and going out to dinner with them and s- s- uh, sit on airplanes with them. And that it's not because I needed to know it's yeah. because I'm interested in what they do and it, they're interesting people. And I think that's important that you then use that information to further develop your relationship. That's fine. But yeah, not in in, in a way that you call them the second time and ask them uh, when they lost their virginity.
0: <laughs> exactly. But <laughs> well, that's what it feels like, right? Exactly. It's so invasive.
1: It's so invasive, and it, and it makes you as a salesperson feel uncomfortable. And that is with with forcing people to do something they're not, um, they they're not willing to do or they don't don't want it to do. It's just counterproductive. Yeah. Um, and that's same with that. It's it's same with KPIs. Um, like if you have any a KPI, you need to call, um. 40 clients a week, or you need to have 10 visits a week. In my opinion, that's not how it should be done. I know that as a business, you need to you need to track uh, and you need to be able to project uh, what, uh, what 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 business is doing, but it, it can be done in 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 many different ways. You need to trigger the people to call because they feel it's needed, or you need to give them the tools, uh, or the products, or the services that. Make them feel okay. That's something new for my client. He would he would need that. It would improve his life, and I think that that I hope that that is gonna change more and more. That the KPI driven uh, old ways will will fade away. That's what yeah. I'm hoping for.
0: Yeah, it should be a lot more humane. Um, exactly. Yeah, like like building a relationship, and I think if, to me, it's also a a, a strong. Um, skill that I have is um, building a relationship, but I can only do that when I can be genuine. Um, if if I feel someone doesn't want to talk about something, I'm not going to ask because uh, I can sense that. That's, that's called empathy, which is everything that moves away if you, if you are only data driven. Um, one of the things that we had, we had this KPI where uh, we were not a call center, but we did we were required to call like two and a half hours per day um you had this like ticker at the bottom of your screen um but you were free to do however you like uh but you need to call two and a half hours a day so the thing is I I hated it and I know it's it's against the orders of my manager etc but that was not how I got the most success um because what I personally found interesting is to uh, read emails that people were sending me, then interacting with them and asking questions rather than calling them and trying to get the sale. Um, I was reading through their LinkedIn profiles to see what they were interested in, um, to see if there were topics that we can talk on. and then like in the morning, I, w- I went to my desk and there was this like printout of the total call hours and it said like one hour 30 or whatever. And it was like marked red and it had some remarks on it, like too low or whatever. And I was like, okay, you're telling me this is too low, but I did a huge show yesterday. I connected with two people okay. and both of them promised to call me back next week. Yeah, but you, we need you to call two and a half hours. So what's the KPI for? Um, just for metrics. Yep. It doesn't work it there's no purpose yeah. to it
1: and i said it i said it before uh, previous jobs and and uh, I've, I've always said it when there were kpis i know they are there and there are a lot of kpis that you can you can meet without actually meeting them <laughs> that's 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 what people start doing eh? because if, if you force them to do something and they're not willing to or not able to then they'll find a way to do it and then the kpi is useless huh? the metric is useless it's it's not not valid data and i always said to my to my superiors trust me f for now to do it my way and if i don't deliver then you can call you can you can call me you can talk to me and say okay we need to change something but as of now in my career i always said leave me to it because i know what i'm doing it feels good for For me to do it this way and I've only had one boss that said no and okay then we'll have we'll do it your way and then you know for me my interests move on very quickly Um, but the people who left me be let me be um, I did great because I was comfortable and I was happy that they trusted me uh, doing the things I needed to do to be successful and in return, I did my best to at least get as much KPIs done as possible because they need to report back to their boss. And, you know, so we helped, we scratch each other's back. And I, I think that's the way to go. Um, yeah. And that helped me massively because I hated sales. I hated it. Mm. When I was young, my dad said, you need to go in, into sales. And I was like, you're crazy. I, I, I hate that. Eventually he was right uh, <laughs> about uh, 15 years later. Um, but I need to do it the way it makes me feel comfortable. otherwise I'm, I'm not motivated. so and I'm glad I'm, uh, they allow me to do that. They, I, I'm really glad. yeah.
0: but that's what they hire you for right as an expert to do it your own way, of course, within the limits of the organization, exactly. but you know in your own way. No one's the same. I think that that's also one of the problems with those KPIs. Like I had colleagues that could call two and a half, three, four hours and still make a lot of sales, but that was their spiel. That was the way that they worked. Um, It wasn't working for me because I just hated doing it. So if you hate it, you're not going to do it. You're not going to do it, at least not successfully. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's the biggest point that I had. And it's also why eventually I left the organization because um, I just couldn't fit in. Um, And they tried to give me a little bit of leeway, but you know they stuck to that two and a half hours, and I said, "Well, if I want to call two and a half hours, then I'm gonna work in the call center. I'm not gonna to pretend to be an account manager with freedom if I only have like partial freedom." Um, so that that never worked, and I left them on on good note. But yeah, just I, it wasn't wasn't for me. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna build KPIs and and do KPIs just for the sake of doing those KPIs. That's not how work should be done.
1: No, exactly. No, I, I think that's you know, and that's the main focus if you're. Managing a team, um, focus on the happiness of your team, of, of the people that work with you, not for you. They, they work with you. Uh, you you're all working towards a common goal and that is getting sales or getting a product into the market or whatever it may be. And, um, and the, the, the company I work for, we have a philosophy that, that's called uh, People Service Profit. Uh, look. Uh, take care of your own people. Make sure they're as happy as possible. Make sure that your service is on point. That your customers are happy, and then the profit will come. Yeah, and not the other way around. And I, I think that's that is key in everything you do.
0: Yeah, well, that, that's that's a good one. I I really like that one. Where where do you see that going for like the next five or ten years?
1: It's it's only going to get more important. Uh, if if you look at at. Uh, at different sectors, um, there's a there's a big gap between supply and demand in, in the workforce, especially if you look in warehouses and and, and uh, truck drivers and, and name it. That there's a so you need to make sure that your your company your the job you're offering is as interesting as possible for the people because if you're say for instance uh, you're in the UK, you have a company that's very close to Amazon. And you need warehouse staff well good luck there you need to find you need to find something that d- diversifies you as a company um and and not in in this service or in in your offering but uh what do you do for your for your employees uh, how do you treat them uh what do you give them in return um do you train them do you give them more money but that's not everything make sure they're happy you can pay me a lot of money but if i'm not happy at least for me, that's always been the case. I'm, I'm, I'm gone. I'm, I'm out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. True.
1: (laughs) And I think that's not gonna, that's, I think the focus on the people, I think that is going to be extremely important because if you see how many LinkedIn messages I get a week with uh, recruiters, uh, asking me if I can target open position and it's, you know, there's so, so much choice. Uh, you that you, your company needs to be very, very good for the people in order to keep them or get them on board,
0: yep.
1: and that will not That's, change.
0: The same goes for the clients, I think. Exactly. Uh, you know that, that what we just, just spoke about, the, the human connection. Because um, I, I think if, if we look at the technology part of, of where everything is going right now, um, technology is super cool, super interesting, uh, but we can all purchase the same technology. Um, your organization, Amazon, whoever—they can all purchase the same automation. Um, I think the 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 difference, and I think that's where the next five, six, seven years are gonna gonna aim towards, is like how the human capital, how the people within your organization make a specific difference. Um, like what talents do you have? How can you uh, separate your brands from others based on like human skills, human interactions? Um, I I feel that that's where where we should be going at least um, sustainability. System. Yeah, uh, exactly.
1: Extremely important as well and and I think uh, we'll see that more and more if, uh, if companies focusing on on the sustainable uh, sustainability of their business because the consumer is looking at that as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, as, for sure. Yeah. And I think uh, you, you see it in in retail so often that um, you know you have these these self checkouts and you have these whatever packaging is going automatic. So the only real difference between clothing store one and clothing store two is how the people greet you, how they help you, how they help you uh, get the right articles, how how they um, compliment you if you wear something that fits you. Um, that That's the only real difference because the clothing is the same, the pricing is the same, the packaging is the same. It's the people that make the actual difference. Yeah. Uh, we don't see it everywhere yet, but I think especially also in, in your job is the fact that how you... Um, build a relationship with your clients determines how well they will stick to the organization and how well they will treat you and vice versa.
1: Yeah, uh, it gives you some, uh, it gives you some credit uh, that if if your company doesn't perform that they at least give you the benefit of the doubt uh, because the relationship is good. Uh, you will have some more leeway uh, to fix things. I think that's important. But now I want to ask you a question. Sure. I hey, what you're talking about. I I really like that. Uh, cu- the customer service part. Uh, that that's. Um, the customer customer experience is extremely important. But how do you see that change online? Because it's a complete. If I go to a store or a restaurant, it's very important that somebody greets me nice. But online, it's it's extremely different.
0: Yeah. Yeah. How that, do you see that? It it that's so so difficult. Um, because you have the problem of attention. Um, if I'm on, especially if it's a new web store or a new new company that I've never met, um, you need to grab my attention quickly. And one of the easiest things to do that is with automation. Um, but automation could be a solution for part of that problem. One of the things that I see as the biggest problem in the online space is that The general feeling is that we can replace humans, especially if we look at customer service online, is that we can replace humans with automation. Um, Like, you know, just use a chat bot, use a voice bot, use a whatever bot um, to talk to the clients. Um, But the problem is that if you really want to engage with your clients, automation is not going to do that for you. Um, So, What I think is if you use automation for the simple part of the customer journey, so easy questions, what are your opening times? Do you have shoe size X available? Um, Sure, that should be done by automation because it's super inefficient to have a person look at that. Um, But if it comes to anything with emotions, I think we still need humans. Um, I've had so many discussions with organizations saying that, well, we are replacing our entire customer service staff with one chatbot. but the chatbot is not emphatic. The chatbot is not friendly. It doesn't give a shit about the client. Um, so I think we're we're going way too fast in that in that perspective. Um, yeah. So what what I think um, what what my um, let me put it this way i have a wish for the future and i have what i see happening and i see a lot of organizations just using automation and technology um, to take away that customer service part to make it easy and effective but i don't think it should be as effective as automation Um, i think it's it's it should be more on care and emotion um, and building a genuine connection, which might be uh, a, a little bit less effective or at least uh, at least um, efficient because it takes longer. You need to train people, etc. But it's going to build such a strong relationship compared to yeah. just putting a chatbot in, in the customer journey.
1: Yeah, and that's if, if i look uh, in, in the netherlands uh you know him very well because uh the the creator is is uh, from rotterdam as well at cool blue mm-hmm. um so for people watching it's it's like the dutch amazon um one of the things why i always go back to them is because of their customer service uh what you said their their online chat it's on point there's there's always somebody nice they try to think with you and not against you. Um, I like that on product pages, they have dedicated videos that they record. So it's very personal, but it's extremely efficient in the way uh, the ordering process, the the, 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 the UI in general, the, the, the website. And I think they nailed it on the head with the customers, number one. Although it's a tech company yeah. in essence yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's ex- extremely well done, and that's always my that's my my the bar I, I look at when I look at online businesses, I compare them to Cool blue. Yeah It's really strange, but I always do
0: that. I get that yeah I, I think that Cool blue is the master of understanding how technology can under can support and leverage human capabilities and human skills. So they actually use technology like, like a, a chat function, which is optimized to be quick and responsive, etc. But the one behind it is a human being with the freedom. They don't have a script because they can make jokes. They can, you know, they, they really listen to what you say because I've seen these chats where uh, a client says something or says something funny and the cool blue employee replies to that. So it's not scripted. Um, I think they, they are expert in leveraging technology to support humans. So uh, both clients and and their own staff.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think it's just uh, I think oh, I think a year a year and a half ago um I my monitor broke down and I had it for less than eleven months and unfortunately I didn't buy it at Cool Blue um I bought it at a at the at the other blue company oh, okay. um and I went downstairs I came back up and there was a like lines all over the screen. And I send it back, and they said you you smacked the screen or you let it drop or whatever. So uh, it was a thousand euro screen, and I didn't get anything. Uh, they just said, well, that's that's not within our warranty. And I've had it before with Cool Blue, where I bought a Microsoft laptop, and it broke down three times. The first time I had to, had to send it to repair to Cool Blue. Okay, it takes a couple of weeks. I got it back. It broke down again. And then they immediately, uh, the customer service agent said, you know what, we'll give you the money back. Here's the money into your account. Just buy a new one straight away and send us the old one. You don't have to wait for that. You know, those small things thinking with you instead of working against you. That's, and that's why I, I never buy anything of value with regards to uh monitors tvs all of that anywhere else I, I i i'm glad to pay a bit more for that experience um i think that's extremely important and well done by them
0: yeah and it's the long term right because doing this for you costs them a little bit of money you know they're they're allocating resources in the form of, of a human talking to you uh costs for replacing the product but you are telling this story right now to them, this is sales and marketing, um, it's a relationship, you are loyal to them, you go back to them, you know that you're in good hands, um, yeah. and ultimately they they showed you that they care for you as a human being exactly. and a client rather than I'm going to optimize your process, I don't even want to talk to you, because that's the feeling that I get with chatbots, right, it's like I don't yeah. want to talk to you, just talk to my technology, and whenever you're ready to make a purchase, I'll be there to take your money. Um, and I feel what you're telling me right now with Koo Blue is exactly the other way around because they know they are now investing in a relationship, but you're gonna go back to them whenever.
1: Exactly, Yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. I
0: think, I, I hope that that is the hope, the dream that I have that organizations understand this and start using technology to, to build that human relationship because relationships are so underestimated.
1: They are, they are, they are. And and of course it, it will, Well, exactly what you said. It will, it will minim or will, uh, decline your, um, efficiency somewhat, but in the long run, you're the winner and and your customer is the winner. And that, that is what counts in the end.
0: A hundred percent. Yeah. Um I see that we're uh, over the the hour mark. Uh, I, I, we Perfect can, ending we no? Can, yeah, I think so. We could keep going on for hours. Um is, is there anything you you want to give us some form of advice or insights or just a final thought? Um
1: yeah, I th- I think focus on what's important for yourself. Of course, uh, work-life balance, I think that's uh, that's an extremely important one. Um take care of yourself. Consume the knowledge that you want to, uh, to, to have, and don't, uh, don't try and fit in a box. Just to do what you feel helps you and makes you happy. And then in the end that will, you will reap reap your rewards. Uh, it's the people service profit, but do it for yourself. Take care f- of yourself, make sure you have the knowledge and then the money will come and your happiness will come.
0: I love that. Great words. That's it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for those words. And thank you for being here with me today.
1: Very. You're amazing. Thank you for having me. And uh, good luck on your next one.
0: Thanks. It was a pleasure. And to you listening. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned and stay human.